This is Eric Krasno, and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Everyone that's been sharing the show, I appreciate you. Uh, and I urge you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and subscribe or follow us on Spotify or on Instagram, Kras Plus One. That's K-R-A-Z Plus One. Also, I appreciate everyone that's been sending me messages, Plus One at gmail.com. I appreciate all the comments and the suggestions. It's been really helpful putting this show together. So I have an amazing artist on the show today, Miss Alicia Shakur, someone I've known for a long time. I've worked with her on many different projects. She's played with Lettuce, with Soul Live, uh, with Tedeschi Trucks Band, and I'm a huge fan of her as a solo artist. She has a brand new album that's coming out October 29th called Lotus Land and West Street. The first single's already out. It's accompanied by an amazing video, and I just love the soundscapes that she has created with this record. She worked with her brother, Alex Shakur, who's also an amazing musician. The album also features Sam Cohen on guitar and Mitch Shakur, her dad on piano, who's also an incredible musician, multi-instrumentalist and songwriter and singer. So we get into a little bit of her musical background, what it's like coming from a musical family. We also talk a little bit about her creative process and the making of this new album. So I'm excited to get into it, but first we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. She's an amazing songwriter, arranger, and one of my favorite singers on the planet. I'd like to welcome today's plus one, Miss Alicia Shakur. Well, I thank you for taking the time to hang out with me, Alicia. Appreciate yes, thank that. you. Thanks and for hanging out with little old me. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was listening to the record all morning, and I love it. And it's one of those records that gets better and better every time. Like I, I loved it from the get go, but all these cool little production nuggets and the melodies are really cool and interesting. Thank and you. the changes are really cool. I guess first I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because that's how I discovered you from the Osra record. Oh my God. From a long Whoa. time ago. And I can't remember who, I think Alan Evans may have shared that with me, but I listened to that a ton and I can't remember how we actually met, but that was a long time ago, probably like mid 2000s, I'm going to say. I've been waiting for the like follow up album, you know, for a while. And you and I have recorded a bunch of stuff and there's been um, a lot of different things, but it was well worth the wait. Um, and I want to hear a little bit about the process. I know you worked with your brother, who's an incredible musician and producer, and we'll get mm-hmm. more into the whole family thing because your family is just supremely talented. But first, I wanted to hear a little bit about this album, what inspired yeah. it, and and what the process was like. Yeah, well, as you know, since we've met, I've stopped and started. I don't know how many records. (laughs) Um, And I had to figure out, you know, I think a lot of that was just going on the road, inspiration changes. But I think a lot of that too was like learning how to separate myself as the creator and the artist from other things that I do and 
kind of being able to really immerse myself in what I was interested in and, you know, and I want to release all those old things too. I'm like, yeah. one day I'll do archives or something. Um, yeah. But so for this one, um, I just stopped and started another record with some other amazing artists and producers and the whole thing. And I was on the road and just doing a lot of writing. And I think for years I had kind of written these songs, but felt like for whatever reason, they weren't for me. I just felt like, well, I'm supposed to do this or I'm supposed to, you know, all those things that happen when you're a people pleaser or whatever it is. So I just was finally like, no, these are, this is the shit I like to write. And this is, you know, I just want to deep dive into this world. So I'd written this batch um, kind of all in one sitting. It was, as you know, because we're good buddies, it was in like a very tumultuous time in my life. And yeah, I think yeah. I was just like, you know, needed to let it out. And so I had my trusty little iPad. I was on the road and in hotels and just like fully demoed it out, all the little synth sounds, all the textures. And then brought them to my brother and Sam Cohen and Homer Steinweiss, who are like family to me also, and just said, can you do what I did on this iPad, but please, <laughs> you know, yeah. with your expertise and talents. And so we cut the kind of basic tracks at Homer's studio and then um, the pandemic happened. Right. And my brother and I, for the first time, weren't on the road. And I love my brother. I love working with him. And I felt like, who better to help me really translate and understand my inner world than my brother. We have the same references. I can, you know, if I'm referencing the Muppets or I'm referencing <laughs> like, you know, he, he's right there with me. We grew up in the same house. So, um, and I just have so much respect for him. So then we just were able, because we had the time to really just like have fun and immerse ourselves. We lived right down the street from each other in Brooklyn and I'd, you know, we potted up. And uh, we just work on it together. And it just became like this really beautiful experience together of just really exploring and, you know, just committing. Like, yeah, what are we here? Let's, let's go for it. And just, I think also not being around a lot of people helped me just really commit to myself and what I heard and not that comparison trap that you can get in or anything else and just try to be fully immersed. There seems to be a very strong theme through the record, and it's very much kind of feels like one piece. Yeah. Was that something that was kind of planned from the get go, or did you kind of whittle it down? And you know, or you know, was was it intended to be like that? Yeah, not initially, but yeah, it kind of started to reveal itself in that way. Um, I had a handful of other songs, you know, I had like a full record's worth, and I just kept coming back to like these ones really just seem to fit together. Right. The other ones feel a little arbitrary. And then I started really like, you know, you step back and look at the themes and look at the way it moves. And it started to feel like, oh, there's a narrative here. And for me, when I make music, like even if it's abstract, the narrative is how I figure it out and how I make sense of it. I always have to make like a little movie in my mind. Right. And then I can build out the world. So once I, we started to see that kind of narrative coming together, then we're like, okay, this, 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 how can we string it together? How are ways that we can continue it through? Um, but yeah, that kind of just emerged organically, which is nice, I guess. And did some of these songs, like you said, some of them existed from a while ago, and then you kind of pulled them into current times in terms of the sounds and... Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, they were all, I mean, they were all really different kinds of demos. Some were really like, hilarious garage band full demos. Some were just me and my little baritone ukulele that I take on the road. And then we started to kind of 
find the thread and just go for it. Yeah, I remember hearing some iPad stuff that I really liked. <laughs> I couldn't believe you did that on an iPad. At some point, I think you just like forget what we were doing. We were somewhere probably in a van or a plane or something, but you had put headphones on my head. And you played me and I was like, whoa, I was blown away that that was like an iPad. Yeah, there was just a day on the road. I don't remember where, but you know how much time, especially if it's like a multi-bill, how much time you can sit around in a dressing room. And for some reason, I didn't have my computer and my bank account had this much money left. And I remember I just like had the runner take me to Best Buy and I was like, let me just get this iPad and like have something to do. And then that just became like my little, you know my little rig. It's amazing what you can do with it. I mean, again, you know, I always say that it's, it's not the tools, it's the artist and how they use the tools, but are you writing lyrics generally first or do you have a method or is it kind of, you know, melody, then lyric? It's all over the map. Yeah. Some songs, it's just all comes out at once or it's lyrics first. And some it's, you know, the, the old mumble technique and then it slowly reveals what it is um i definitely like melody and texture are always what i'm drawn to first that's always what comes easiest and a lot of times like i obviously want the lyrics to be meaningful and tell the story but i also sometimes it's like you don't want it to distract from the the melody and the movement so it's like for me i'm always trying to kind of find that balance even when i'm doing backup for other people like when you're putting stuff in you're like what's something that's going to kind of fit the mood but not like you know yeah yeah put the spotlight on it entirely um so it's a mix yeah some of the songs on the record was like lyrics first and some were more decoding so yeah one thing i wanted to talk about too is you know since that first record to now you've been super busy it's not like you have not been working (laughs) um you've been in the studio with so many people um i was like going through the alicia playlist uh today (laughs) From Kevin Morby to Danger Mouse, Kiwanuka, uh, the Foo Fighters. I did not realize that was, and that was through Mark Ronson. Yeah, that, that was the, actually recent. Yeah. That was the just that was my first session back. Yeah, after the pandemic, he was doing wow. a remix and kind of called in the crew to to play around with it. Um, so that, yeah, that was a fun way to come back, and I got to sing with Jasmine and Sandra, who are two of my favorite oh, yeah, co-conspirators, yeah. and. Yeah, I mean, that's really my first love. And so I think I've always tried to navigate operating on two lanes because I think the the harmony vocalist and the percussionist and the collaborator, like that built into me. That's who I feel like I am. And then the other stuff is just an, an extension of that rather than like, oh, well, I can't wait till I can take the lead. You know, it's just, that's just another piece of it. So I'm starting to figure that out more and more that they can coexist. Um, plenty of people do it. I think I just had to figure out how to make that work for me. People don't consider the artistry of being a background singer or like don't think about it as much as, you know, it's not such an easy thing to do. First of all, the Mm -hmm. blending and then harmony that you need and having, you know, the ear, obviously working with Tedeschi Trucks Band uh, has been I mean, you guys have done so, It's you guys do so many styles, even though it really, the band has a sound, there's a lot of styles within yeah. the band. Um, and you have an incredible range, but end up, you, you end up like in, a, in the lower register a lot um, with Susan up there. But maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, blending into a background, you know, ensemble. Yeah. 
like, yeah. like what that's like for you and you know how that can kind of fulfill you musically mm-hmm. it's the i mean it's seriously like the greatest joy in the world for me you know i think i think a big piece of it too is i just you know when you talk about my family but i grew up singing with others playing with others like music discovery for me wasn't a solo act in a lot of ways it was always within a community of some kind so i think that just felt like home to me so that high of when you know you know as playing in bands like that high when you connect with people and every part makes the whole and it just feels like something like that. I, I've never been able to top that by myself. Right, I can right. feel satisfied. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's like, I look at who's inspired me to make music and it's Rose Stone, it's Hot Buttered and Soul, Isaac Hayes, Backup. You know, it's those textures and the way that people can kind of bring something to a bigger piece to kind of flesh out the world has always been really exciting for me. And yeah, it's kind of like you get to step into other people's universe and and see how you can communicate with them. You know, I think that's the joy in doing backup is like, how can I thread through? Do you need me to be a like, how can I help elevate this moment? Or do you need me to be a sandbag? Or like, what's the you know, I think of it like it's a cake. Yeah. And we're the we're the sprinkles or the the roses or the yeah. cherry or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's like, how do you want us to decorate this cake? What mood? And then on top of that then coming together with a section where you all just connect like there's something so beautiful in that chemistry especially when you're singing you know to just sync up in that way and create one sound together yeah i try i can imagine like the long drives with your family and like how incredible (laughs) you're like wait other families don't sound like full-on gospel choirs um but yeah, yeah, you know, I wanted to talk a bit about your dad too, who's an incredible musician, um, much like your brother. By the way, I looked mm-hmm. at an old picture of your dad like playing guitar and singing this yeah. morning, and he looks—I mean, Alex—it's insane how much he it's looks, crazy. They look like each other. It's almost creepy. Yeah, yeah. they really do. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so you know, for people that don't know out there, Mitch Shakur. Alicia's dad was Joe Cocker's music director, also toured with the Jay Giles band, and just like the who's who of blues history, you know, Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters, Coco Taylor, Freddie mm-hmm. King, uh, and just worked with so many amazing people. Uh, so I wanted to hear a little bit about your childhood growing up around that type of music and those type of characters in your life. And um, what a unique and incredible um, experience for a child. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I, as a kid, it was like, that's just what I knew. And now as an adult, I see other friends, kids, you know, right. backstage babies and all that. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was that was the thing. But it was really um, I mean, it's all I know, but I'm, yeah. I loved it. I did. I wasn't one of those kids with the arms crossed backstage wanting to get out of there. I was like. Yeah. In it. Yeah. Like in the wings or in the control room or whatever, just like soaking it up. Um, and always excited by it and the different personalities. Yeah, my dad, he really like he took us around, you know. Yeah. It wasn't and I and a part of it too, I know my mom was going back to school and all these other things. And so who knows if it was gonna be, you know, something else, but he would bring us out a lot, you yeah. know. Yeah. I would be 
like on a little blanket in the control room while they're cutting something and giving feedback, (laughs) you know, like that they didn't want. (laughs) Um, But it was, yeah, it was amazing because I feel like I really got to, you know, I was raised by like sidemen and backup singers. And that was like the universe that I knew was people who had just committed to a life of playing together and touring and building building things um and i had a lot of like awkward moments with legends that i look back and yeah. think like that's hilarious you know like yeah we were at a bb king show and i was 10 and i had just like cut my own hair <laughs> i bangs like this and yeah. i had overall you know it's just like the most awkward stage ever you know and i'm sitting side stage and watching and and BB like turns to the wings and goes like this, like he motions with his finger during the show yeah, at yeah. some some theater. And I'm like, you know, and I come out and he just solos at me, wow. like serenades me. And I'm a, I look horrible, you know, and all these things in it. And, you know, just kind of like he's got this little like twinkle in his eye, like, you know, kind of like a uncle in that moment or something like, haha, you know, and finishes and gives me a little pin and sends me off and just these little moments where at at the time i was like mortified i hated it i was like so embarrassed and now looking back i'm like i love that yeah that i got to have that moment with him you know and just little things like that that just were like you know at the time i loved but i definitely realized now as an adult like how much that's built into me, those little moments of getting to hear these people do what they do. And um, I was lucky everyone was really nice, really kind. <laughs> and how old were you when you started like singing? I mean, obviously your whole life, but it was, was there a yeah. moment that you can remember where you're, you flipped a switch and said like, I want to do this, you know? Yeah, I always loved singing. I was always really embarrassed to do it in front of people. I like, you know, I would sing in a group and then sometimes they'd be like, Alicia, sing for it. And I'd like run and hide and cry in the bathroom or something like I just couldn't. I didn't like so I always loved making music. I did not like the spotlight on me. I, you know, I just that was not it. So I think once I got a little older, even though I was always doing it, I would go to summer camps and, you know, you put a band together in summer camp and I was always the bass player. I never wanted to sing. Like I started out on bass (laughs) and then I think I just started to get a little more confidence to, you know, singing is so vulnerable, you know, by the time, even though I'd been doing it my whole life, I think as far as like, okay, I can do this in front of other people. um, I started to feel a lot more comfortable in my teen years and, you know, would try to find any way to sing and, I mean, was a horrible actress, but did theater because I got to sing songs. And right. yeah, I was working out of a theater. I was living in the city with my sister. I was kind of going back and forth between my parents' house and living with my sister in the city doing theater. And I was singing at this, it was in Tribeca. I don't know if it had been the Tribeca Film Festival yet. This was like the late 90s. And um, a big up from a big label came and was like, where's your mother? You know, and this right. whole thing. And I went through this, this kind of process with this label. And, you know, it was like Britney Spears and Brandy and everyone was really popping off. So I think they were just looking for teenage girls who could sing, right. you know, right. and what they could make out of it. And I remember I went to a handful of meetings and just was like sick to my stomach. I could not, 
I did not like it. And I remember my dad was like, start a garage band with your friends. Yeah. Like, I'm down in his studio practicing this little, like, <laughs> dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he could tell I was, like, just not into it at all. And so I just, yeah, I started, like, finding other musicians in the area and did the thing, had the bands in high school. I was the singer and just figuring out music that way. And that was kind of where I felt like, all right, like, there's a way that I can do this on my own terms and enjoy it and not feel sick to my stomach. Was your brother playing at that time? Oh my God. Yeah. My brother was like always playing and just, you know, he could sit at any instrument and just make something happen and have it just feel like heartfelt and beautiful. And was your dad, you know, did you guys kind of like take lessons of like kind of with dad? Yeah, like definitely he was there, you know, showing you guys your way around the piano and yeah, my dad's an amazing, amazing teacher. Yeah. I mean, that's just like beyond being an incredible musician, I feel like his gift is as a mentor and, you know, just the way he's mentored so many people. And so I was really lucky that he gave us that time too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it would just be, it would be more casual though. It wasn't like we signed up for lesson time, but if we ever had questions or how do I play this or how do you do that? Um, and he just would like, he loved jamming with us. Like he yeah. always kind of treated us as his peers, Yeah, you know? And, and that was something I think too, that like really empowered us to, to keep going. And, you know, he would help me if I was like going through puberty and sounding, my voice was sounding crazy. He would help me find ways around it. And um, yeah, so he's always, I mean, and still, if I'm on a, on the road and I'm freaking out because I've lost my voice because it's allergy season or something, I can call him and he'll like calm me down. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsors. last track on your new album by the way the album is called lotus land i forgot to mention yes. that earlier yes. do you have a date a release date i do yes the very end of october right after my birthday october 29th it'll be out so soon and the last track on there was recorded in your living room right mm-hmm. um, he was yeah. yeah his his i'm sorry sorry the the yeah the moment at the end with the piano. And as I remember yeah. when he sent it to me, listening to that and being, I felt like I was just in that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a cool moment um, in the record. But yeah, that's dad at the end. That's dad. Yeah. And his 16 year old dog barking. And we, yeah, it was just one of these things like the kind of that song without getting into all of what it's about. It just felt really important. Also, I just wanted him on there somewhere. That was course, important, yeah. but that song in particular. So we had just kind of sent the track to him and was like, can you just play the piano through and we'll find stuff. And um, it ended up when we were just isolating the track, we were like, we just need him by himself. Like (laughs) he's got to end this thing, just his spirit and how it connected to the song. And, you know, I I don't think he even realized that his dog had barked while he was cutting it. And it just felt like that felt like home. And that felt like exactly what we wanted. So yeah, it's, it's perfect to have him kind of, close it out in the way that he does yeah well that that translated really well um and also where it's placed in the in the record 
Um, and the first song, West Street, uh, it, it's, I'm assuming it's about the West Street in Greenpoint, or that's or it's, yeah. it's named after that. It is named after, yep. For the <laughs> listeners out there, Alicia and I were neighbors for a Nabes. number of years, Nabes. Uh, actually, in multiple, because you lived in that neighborhood in a couple of places mm-hmm. over the years, uh, yep. in Greenpoint, and West Street was the street um, kind of on the water there. Yeah. Um, is there yep. some significance beyond just names? Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, let's talk about names. Like, yeah. the name is the neighborhood is so different now. But oh, that yeah. was such a special time. Like, you and Deitch was right around the corner, and yeah. Sonia and Sam and my brother. It was just like this beautiful little community of folks. Um, I used to call myself, it sounds more, <laughs> but now that I think about it, it's really weird. But I used to call myself like the Norman Bates of the neighborhood. <laughs> Because I had like the window up on like the fourth floor or the third floor looking down and I'd always be like, hey, you know, I guess I should think of a better uh, version because the Norman Bates thing is like a like a woman (laughs) with the or the old lady with the knife. So we got to think of a better one. I I was like Norm. I was like if Norm was in a window, I mean, like a Sesame Street uh, reference. Who peeks out the window? Yeah. I don't know. Bart and Ernie? You weren't Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. Well, I used to call Dutch Oscar the Grouch <laughs> because I'd always wake him up early in the morning and I'd be like, we got to catch this flight. Um, anyway, yeah, there was, I remember that little corner there was where we would always run into each other. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. do miss that a little so, bit. So, yeah. Me too. But yeah, West Street, it was, um, I named it after that mostly because I found I liked to go for walks. Mm-hmm. If I was processing things yeah. <laughs> and before West street, I mean, it's different now, but it yeah. was a very quiet street at yeah. the time. Yep. And um, so that was just kind of a street that I would often walk down and kind of process. And yep. when thinking about the song, I kind of just imagined kind of the narrative of that song happening, happening there. Cause right. so much has happened there in my life. And it was right. just like a marker yeah. of that time in my life. Yeah. 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 It was crazy watching that neighborhood change. You know, when we all first moved there, it was pretty much mostly like artists and musicians. You know, my, my view in the beginning was the whole, you know, Manhattan, you know, you'd see, cause we were Mm -hmm. on the water and then slowly, but surely like sky, you know, sky rises Mm -hmm. and condos just, you know, uh, surrounded us. And, uh, yeah, now it's like so crowded and, there's like kind of, it's a whole different thing, whole different. A different world. Yeah. I feel like my grandparents, because they were, you know, my mom's parents, it was like they would be the same thing about different neighborhoods in New York. Oh, it used to be like this. And it yeah. was bad. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's just like, unfortunately, how it goes yeah. with, uh, you know, capitalism and yep. gentrification and all that shit. But, and, uh, <laughs> so where are you are now, you're in Massachusetts, at least at the moment yes. for, for now. Yeah, I... I took a little pause for the cause. Long story short, I just, I had the apartment I was living in, in Brooklyn. I was like, I'm always on the road. I'm never home. Let me get this tiny place. That's all I need. And then the pandemic struck and it's me in this little room, which at first was great. I felt like a little, I don't know, not a monk, but you know, I just, I was like, here's my little space and here's my little cup. And this is where I can do my stretches. And then almost a year into it, it just lined up that there was this space that I could rent and I wanted to, you know, have an anchor close to my folks. I still have yeah. roots in New York, but 
it's just been nice kind of for the fresh air and to have the space that I can make noise in. Cause that was the other thing, like just not being able to really make noise or sing for all those months. I was feeling it just like in my bones, you know? Um, And so I needed to find some kind of anchor elsewhere where I could just breathe a little bit and grateful that I found something. So are you back out on the road with Tedeschi Trucks Band now? Sort of, yeah. We have the Beacon coming up. We just had our first couple gigs as all 12 of us. Yeah. Wow, how was Um, that? Right. So good. I mean, how many times am I going to mention the Muppets? But it it really is like, I feel like I'm part of the Muppet show in that. You know, it's just so many different personalities. and, um, And I think, I mean, I think... I'm not the only person. I think most musicians and touring folks can kind of speak to this. It's like that break as difficult as the last year has been and all of that um, to have that space and then to come back and really appreciate each other in a whole new way. Um, You know, see each other and hear each other with fresh eyes and ears has been really cool. And uh, yeah, it's feeling nice. You know, I'm excited to see, like, it just feels like a new chapter um for us as a unit and so you know there's been so much change in the band obviously losing Kofi and um just folks moving on to other things so I feel like this feels like a new chapter for us to kind of explore and, and see what we can be and make together and is there a new record in the works there too I don't know. Am I? What can I say? Yeah, we have the recording. Yeah. Yes. And yes. It, it feels. Yeah, I'm really excited. It felt yeah. like it just right. feels new. Yeah, right. fresh, right. fresh stuff. I don't know. Is there a chance that we'll see some live shows from you as a artist, as a solo artist? Yes, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, I always have a bunch of ideas, but I think yeah, I think you know it's tough to be planning things out right now, but definitely I want to be able to share and celebrate this and build. And, you know, I used to do that a lot, have something kind of regular in the city and, you know, when the time feels right, definitely going to do that. Nice. Uh, I think last night your brother was playing with Brittany Howard at the Hollywood bowl. Am I right? Yep. And uh, (laughs) that's pretty cool. That's pretty damn cool. Um, And he um, worked with Charles Bradley and Sharon Jones and was a part of that whole camp, you know, which obviously um, we miss those artists so much. But, um, you know, I just there's such an incredible between you and him and like all these different worlds together. There's just been such a incredible amount of music out of like the whole extended family um and like the wheels of soul tour was one that i remember which i was on the very first one even though i don't yep. think it was called that yet um yeah, you playing bass i was playing bass with tedeschi trucks but we never actually got to play shows together with ttb did we i think beyond like some you know fun time gigs like yeah. we did what Bonnaroo, the Super oh, Jam, right, and right, right. things like that. But yeah, not not when you were on bass duties. And was Alex playing with Sharon during that? The Wheels of Soul. He was, yeah. Like, he was subbed for Gabe on bass right, for half right, of it. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So that was fun. I mean, yeah. I feel super lucky that I just get to like be out on the road with my baby brother. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm so proud of him. And you know, he's five years younger, but also 700 years older. And um, <laughs> what, so was, what just, was the name that what was his nickname that Charles called him? Quiet Storm. Oh, the Quiet Storm. Yeah, I was going to say Quiet Thunder. <laughs> quiet Storm is even better. Yep. 
Um, and Alex spent a little time with me on the road. Actually, we did do shows together, you and yes. I and, and yes. Alex, in the very beginnings of the EKB band. Mm-hmm. So I actually want to flip it a little bit and ask you about, well, two separate questions. One is, like, what are some records that you're listening to now that... Um, inspire you or that kind of like get your that like or or even that you kind of aspire towards you know man i mean i i feel like I, there's always new stuff i'm finding but i feel when i'm left to my own devices it's a lot of dorothy ashby i mean it's stuff that you wouldn't it's i love instrumentals you know yeah, yeah. um if i need a mood boost it's like less baxter or mm-hmm. you know um a Majamal or but also, you know, I love Bjork, Badu. That's always, mm-hmm. I always say that's new, but it, you know. And then just like the classic stuff yeah. that I feel like I grew up on, you know, T Rex, Mark Bolin, I worship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prince, obviously, Bowie. Yeah. So it's kind of all over the map. And I think that's probably also why I love working with so many different people is like, I think like anybody day to day, my inspiration or what I want to do or experience is different, you know? Yeah. It's kind of just all over the place. Any like current artists that you love? Yeah. I mean, shout out my friends, shout out my friends. I just, no, I mean, I I really do. I love hearing what the people in my community are up to. I'm inspired. You know, I think some people don't listen to their friends, but for me, it's like, I know these people, I root for these people. I love listening to you and Emily and Kevin. Yeah. My buddy Micaiah, who I grew up with, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Micaiah McRaven, and you know, just all sorts of buddies who I love. Um, yeah, shoot, so I'm a different mood, a different day. What about you, though? <laughs> what have I been listening to lately? I really like Nick Hakim's records, who's also, oh, yes. I mean, I'm not He's close amazing. with him, but, but I know him. Um, Ariel Posen is another guy mm-hmm. that I've kind of checked out recently. He was on my, he was on the show. Yeah, you know, I listen to a lot of old records, though. You know, I've been yeah. going through my record collection and listening to a lot of old jazz, a lot of old, like, Youssef Latif records. Um, I also dig Ahmad Jamal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm always digging for, for new stuff, though. Yeah, I really love, I mean, I just keep pulling from old. I'm a soundtrack person. Yeah. I love old soundtracks. I mean, if every song I could write, I guess we're talking about aspiration. I'm like, if every song I could write could feel like an opening sequence to a movie, I'm happy. You know, right, I just right. like that kind of feeling that you get. I think your record has elements of that for sure. Thanks. Especially the the first track there. Um, I love West Street. I also really like Wilson. Thank you. That's a great track. So um, are you continuing to write now? Are you like, is that kind of a constant thing for you? Or is it like, okay, this project's done. You know, are you, are you just, are you just like a constant flow? Uh, Yeah, I feel like I'm always writing. And like I was saying earlier, I feel like now is just me figuring out how to let that exist. And still this other part of my music life exists at the same time. Um, Right, right. Because so yeah, always writing, and I feel like I have a couple other little batches that are gonna come down the line pretty soon. After I'm just trying to be a little more, you know, consistent with my output because I'm always making stuff. I'm just yeah. never sharing it. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think a lot of musicians have that. I know that yeah. I do, and it's been frustrating for me having all this music and trying to figure out how to put it out because it's it's easier to put things out now but it's also easier for it to get lost you know Mm -hmm. in the shuffle of so many things coming out so 
yeah, I go back and forth on that because I have so much stuff, but I'm also kind of like, oh, if I don't put it out in some sort of um, systematic way, you know, but I think a lot of people are doing well um, just by putting a lot out and consistency. So Yeah. Well, and I think that's what is exciting about now is I think there's a little more freedom. You know, it's not in the old way of like here that, you know, the head honchos and they decide what's what and right. what gets made and what doesn't. I feel like that's something that's really beautiful is that folks can just create what they want without overlords and the folks who want to connect to it will hopefully find it and connect. And that's, you know, really what it's all about. Do you use Spotify and things like that? Or are you a purist? I, uh, I have it. Yeah. But I, I think there's like the guilt factor, obviously, you know, that's a whole other conversation with some of the streaming services and how artists are treated and all of that. But, you know, there is the flip side where it's like there is people are able to access. There is kind of an equalizing element to it. So I can respect it for that. But if we can get it together and help compensate <laughs> yeah. the musicians a little more, I'd be more behind it. Um, but I still like I still love touching. I'm a tactile person, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't go ahead and say I do not use it because sometimes you gotta. It's hard not to. And there's certain things about it that I like. Um, I have yeah. found new artists like through through it, although I definitely have some I disagree with some of the algorithms <laughs> and how they use that. But yeah, it's hard because yeah, I, it, it's it puts us in a weird position because they're obviously not paying enough. But we, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say we need them, but in certain cases we do or we, we really, you know, it helps promote us um, and helps yeah. get our music out there. But yeah, ultimately, like we need each other. And I think right now it's just right. the, it, the imbalance. They, those services need the music and the people who create. And right. so it's true. And I think in certain cases, you know, social media, it, it can, it's good and bad. But the good, the good side of it is that, you know, other artists can support each other and help each other. You know, that's right. And um, I definitely, try to do that as much as I can. And I've definitely benefited from that, from other artists being like, check this out. And then I try, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important to share each other's music. And even though it's, 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 it's puts me in a weird thing because I don't like looking at my phone and I don't like getting all involved yeah. in that. But then uh, if I don't, I feel like, Oh, I'm not like, you know, getting my stuff out there and, and no <laughs> right. one's going to hear me and puts you in a weird place. But ultimately I think, it's good for us. I mean, I still buy vinyl and I'm still like going to mm-hmm. press vinyl um, of my records. And a lot of people hey. end up doing pretty well from that, you know, but it's long, it, you kind of have to tour to right. make that work, um, yeah. which is also hard. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I sometimes miss being in someone else's band <laughs> where I don't have to worry you know, about so much, you know, cause I end up getting like, when I'm touring with my band, there's so much anxiety involved with like, are we going to do well? And is, are we going to sell tickets? And are we going to do mm-hmm. this? Are we going to do that? Versus just kind of like, you know, making the music. Right. Um, so I battle with that big time. Yeah. 
I, I feel you. I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to like community and ways of finding community. And I yeah. feel like, yeah, social media is like my relationship with eggs. It's like, sometimes yeah. I'm like, this is great and delicious and wonderful. And then I'm like, what the hell am I eating? You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of that, but I feel like, yeah, it's like, if for me too, it's like, yeah, finding that balance. But I think again, that's why I'm grateful to have kind of multiple things that I love in music that I can, you know, like do this work over here with like, I mean, shoot, like getting to tour with you guys and lettuce and all these, you know, like step into all these worlds. And then when I make my music, it can kind of just be on my terms and be as liberatory as possible. And, you know, just trying to find, I think for everybody, it's like also the business and the world and society is constantly evolving too. And just try to like trust your gut, do the best you can to find what, feels good and resonates with you and absolutely well, leap in the net will appear. I'm really glad you made this record. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I hope that you make vinyl. Cause I, I, I would, I would buy a bunch of copies. <gasps> yes. I'm definitely uh, going to. Okay, good, and I good. just have to say too, like, thank you for, for having me on this, but you've just always been such a big supporter of me and, you know, throughout my, since we met all those years ago. And, and so just having your support and chatting and kind of marking this moment with you is like very, oh, are you kidding me? Special. Like <laughs> you've done so much for me musically and as a friend, and it's been amazing to watch you do all of the different things you've done with Warren and the Tedeschi trucks band and all of your things. But I'm so, it makes me really happy that you're making this record. And I really hope that you um, also perform it and, and, and get it out there. And I definitely will be talking about it as much, you know, as much as possible. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to talk with me. And uh, we'll do it again. We should do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. I guess so awkward, even though you're like one of my homies. So I appreciate you <laughs> making space for me and, and doing this with me too. Of course, of course. All right, I want to thank Alicia for being on the show. One of my very close friends and one of my favorite artists. So before we go, we're going to play one of her new tracks. It's called West Street. And I want to make sure everyone knows that to find this, it's under the moniker Shakura, which is spelled C-H-A-K-O-U-R-A-H.
Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email krazplus1 at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Osiris. Oh,